Good morning, listeners. I am King 13 and welcome aboard the Sobertown train, where I'm going to take you on a ride into the world of sobriety today. But first, I want to give a shout out to our website, SobertownPodcast.com. What it is, it's a full resource and basically a one-stop shop to educate, motivate, and basically listen to other viv- others sorry, who are on a path, just like you are, on their sober journeys. They're at all time frames in their life. And I know for me, when I listened to it, it just made me feel like I was not alone and that other people that were just like me, I could relate to. Um, and speaking of sober journeys, yes, on the train today, I have a very special YouTube guest. My friend Jay has uh, agreed to come and have a chat to me today. And it just so happens that this particular person is the first person that I ever followed when I decided to quit alcohol. So good morning to you, Jay. Thank you for joining me. Good morning in the Eastern time zone. (laughs) How's it going? Yeah, you are. You're not over the world. You're actually on my time zone. So I didn't drag you out of bed this morning. I like it. So how are you doing? How's things going? Uh, Everything's going um, as well as it possibly can be. And I don't mean to minimize life. I um, have been on a streak lately of saying that and happy to say that my life is better than it has ever been. And when I get the opportunity to be asked that question, um, I love to say that answer because I've never really been able to say that in my life. You know, you have milestones and you have achievements, you have relationships, you have uh, maybe a graduation or a promotion at a job or whatever, but still we find ways to feel empty inside and everybody's looking for the answer. Everybody's looking to either be enlightened to who the snake, the snake oil salesman is or becoming a snake oil salesman, right? We want this magic potion. We want this magic elixir. We want this pill that we could take one time a day for a better, faster, healthier life to make it better in the bedroom, whatever. But it really just comes down to being truthful with yourself. And we were talking a little about, you know, you and I were talking a little bit earlier on the phone and that's my personal philosophy is once you get in tune with who you really are, and it's not this whole, like, it's not, it's not going to come in the form. It may come in the form of many books, many lectures, many YouTube Ted, Ted talks, channels and podcasts like yours. But when we really start asking the, the personal questions, we start asking bigger questions. They always say that the quality of the questions that you ask will influence the quality of your life. And that's really important because a lot of us just kind of take life as it comes. And I'm all about finding the truth and a more universal truth, which doesn't belong to anybody. And it's entitled to all of us, in my opinion. Hopefully that answers that very simple question. (laughs) Yeah, no, look, you're you're right. Because I said to you before, when we put down the bottle, it's sort of the beginning of our journey. That in itself is hard enough because we, for me, was scared shitless to think of my life without alcohol. I was drinking every day for 40 years. And it was part of my lifestyle. It was part of my career. It was, you know, I didn't get married till I was 40. It was just something that I'd never even really given much thought. It was just there. You know, it's just like another arm or something. Um, and if I probably had another arm, I would have picked up a glass with that too. But, you know, when you think about it, it's just I'm learning now every single day so much more. And those feelings that we have suppressed for so many years, all the things, like you said, that we didn't want to deal with, we just went on in life and, you know, things came along and, you know, relationships happened, where careers happened. And I'm looking back and I'm thinking, yeah, look, that was good, but there was always something missing. And I never really could touch on what it was. And I know now it's because I really wasn't the authentic me. 
That's true. There's a lot of people, you know, I was thinking about what I was hoping to be able to say, and I'm glad that we kind of got to this point where we have to put on a different face, you know, like, let's just say in a scenario in, in a typical scenario for, I guess, most human beings that procreate. If you're a parent, for example, you have to put on a face of being a parent and maybe being somebody's hero, being their representative to the universe, right? And then you have to go to work and then be told by somebody what to do, right? So you have to play the exact opposite role. And then if you're in a relationship, then you got to be told what to do, <laughs> depending on what kind of relationship you have. And it's a different face every time. And then at some point, we want to just let loose. We just want to get yeah. in tune with who we really are. And people don't have a good balance of just saying, hold on a second. What is my word? Who am I? And what makes the fabric of who I am? What's behind all these layers of work version me, me being in a relationship, the best foot that I'm trying to present to the world, the one that's just trying to not fuck things up. I'm sorry if you're not allowed to swear. I just did. No, you are allowed uh, to swear, I have. <laughs> but you're trying to put on all these different masks and all these different faces. And I think part of the ritualistic aspect that gets a lot of people addicted to alcohol and other substances is that it allows people to, or at least allows people to feel like they're being a more genuine version of themselves. And maybe that's speaking off the cuff because you're not allowed to do that in front of your kids, or at least maybe you set that standard for yourself. Or maybe you're not really gonna tell your significant other how you feel about maybe say their breath in the morning, or you're not gonna tell your boss how you really think this company should be ran. But then when the alcohol kicks in, you get a nice big glass of, you know what? Fuck it, I'm gonna tell the whole world how I feel because they all need to know. You know, and I, I think that that can be very addicting is like being able to unwind because you have this Monday through Friday and guess what? It's five o'clock. It's happy hour somewhere. And I'm going to go do that before I go home to my significant other, of course. <laughs> and then hopefully we're going to have wine with dinner. You know what? Maybe I should be nice and considerate. I'll pick them up a bottle of wine because maybe we can both be in this very truthful state. And then maybe we could be a little bit more truthful with each other in the bedroom, right? Or whatever it is. But so one of the things that uh, I, I'm working on this series right now with my, um, with my channel getting sober dot 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 again is yeah please number... go on talk about that yeah talk about <laughs> it i'd love to hear about it i'm doing uh episode number 120 right now it's a four-part episode each one of the four parts is 10 questions each episode and i'm currently i just finished recording yesterday which happened to be my 10 months of sobriety thank you thank you thank you oh congratulations and, uh, mate <laughs> i recorded two episodes on accident because i forgot i forgot what numbers i was on so i, I did part four on <laughs> accident and i was like yeah. oh my god i'm so mentally and physically and spiritually exhausted <laughs> i gotta do this other one because i only have this time slot to record so I had to sit down and do another 45 minutes. Luckily, I can talk, especially with enough caffeine, right? But um, so I'm working on the series and it's questions that people have um, when they want to get sober. At least that's how I'm branding this particular episode. So again, it's um, questions that people ask when they want to get sober. And what it's supposed to do for us, um, people that are now onto the next level of sobriety is once we've gotten past the first part of sobriety, which is just, I, can I just stand up on my own two feet without falling over? <laughs> You know, there's yeah. that. Can I, can I just, can I walk around and not bump into anything to make, make myself <laughs> like an asshole? You know what I mean? Like, can I, can I manage to go to work without getting fired today? I don't know. We'll see. It's just one day at a time. They keep saying it's one day at a time. We'll see. Let me see if I just, you know, try to get, not get arrested dot, dot, dot today, you know? And so we, when we get past those basic, uh, those, those basic failures of uh, alcohol and addiction, then it's like, okay, I stood up on my own two feet. Now what? And it's like, okay, take a step forward. It's like, oh, okay, I'll try. It sounds scary. Normally I'd have a drink in my hand, but I'll try it. And then you take a step forward and you're like, oh, 
okay, that wasn't so bad. Can I have a drink now? It's like, no, not yet. Wait a minute. <laughs> Let's try taking another step. And then another one. Now we're walking. How does that feel? We're taking a nice sober walk. Now let's go for a nice sober jog. Now let's um, try going to work sober today. Now after work, let's try going, just, let's just go, let's just go to the grocery store and get groceries today. How about we'll go, we'll get to the gas station and we'll just, I don't know, get gasoline at the gas station. How about we just do that? We don't get a six pack of beer. And then, you know, we go about our day and it's just one step at a time, one day at a time. And we start to build um, all this momentum. So what we're trying to do at getting sober dot, 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 again, is uh, we're trying to help people live the best versions of their lives, you know, by getting sober, first of all, and then being sober, which is the practicing part, we're practicing being sober. And then eventually, once you're, once you're, once you're flying now, you're past the walking and the running, now we're flying, and then we are staying sober. And that is what our mission is to help people get sober, be sober and stay sober, one video at a time. So I had a point about this, uh, this episode 120, but I forgot what it was, but I said, I'm sure I said enough that is relevant. So let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> no, it'll come. Hey, I don't know about you, mate, but I'm a little bit older than you. And I have those blank moments all the time. And I always say that what happened during my drinking days was everything got unplugged. And now I'm trying to plug everything back in one wire at a time and, and connect because I forget, you know, I do forget things. It's really weird. But now the longer I go in my sobriety, that long-term memory thing is coming back, right? I'm remembering things that, oh, wow, shit, that's what happened there and that's what happened there. And people go, your, your memory is quite amazing. So I can only imagine what's going to come out in the long run. But I love those three Ps going back to them that you do. And it's something that, you know, tell us about those because I don't want to give it away. Oh, which was it? The three Ps. Oh, the three Ps. I think we just added um, in the course of this uh, episode number 120, which we have, uh, we, we have officially 120 episodes with a couple of random updates, and we have about, I think, 40 or so live streams. We do live streams every Friday and every Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern, and we run it for about two hours, you know, so there, it sounds like Sobertown Podcast, they have uh, quite a program going on too, and there are many different hosts of many different channels and many different avenues and outlets and people that will be your cup of tea, so to speak. Um, so there's plenty of opportunities. And I know that the nature of the live streams, people kind of come and go, you know, maybe I'll be talking about, you know, I may be, I may be just holding my cat up and talking about my cat, <laughs> but then I also <laughs> might be like in a medical lecture, you know, at some point during the live streams, I may be talking to people specifically and giving them life advice, or maybe I may be just like sitting quietly and, uh, just, just absorbing what the crowd is saying, you know, so it's uh, it's multifaceted, but with the, the concept of, uh, the three P's, which is episode number 87 of getting sober dot, dot, dot again, it's, uh, the three P's I like to refer to is we are preparing for sobriety. So that's the first P is preparation. Okay. Then once we've prepared for sobriety, I always like to say that people spend more time getting ready to go to the beach than they do <laughs> to prepare for their yeah. sobriety journey. People just think like, okay, well, it's whatever. It's Monday. I'm just going to quit. Like I had my last fun. I had my last drink. I poisoned my, here's what you're saying. You poisoned yourself all weekend and now you're going to start your sober journey. Like what if you had hopped in the car? What if you were going to take a cross country road trip and you said, well, I'm going to go from New York state to Washington state. I'm going to go across the whole country. Um, that, that, and that, that departure, we're going to hop in our car on Monday. So let me spend all day Friday, all day Saturday and all day Sunday getting shit faced. <laughs> And then I'm just going to randomly grab my keys on Monday and I'm just going to get in the car and go. I'm not going to plan my, ro my, my route. I'm not going to figure out where there's construction. I'm not going to figure out what states have, you know, uh, 
pandemic restrictions. I'm not going to figure out where the best deals of hotels are. You know what? I might as well not even bring my phone. I'm just going to head in a direction and just see what happens. And that's what a lot of people do with sobriety is that they don't even prepare properly. They won't even take the alcohol out of their house, you know, and then they'll do themselves a big disservice. It's kind of like, they almost kind of treat it like they're getting married on Monday. And it's like, oh, well, I better go to the strip club. I better go down to the red light district. I better, you know, get a couple of these, these random stragglers out of my phone that my wife doesn't know about. It's Bob, but it's not Bob. It's Billy Jean. We all know that. So, you know, people, they spend the whole weekend basically uh, having their last hurrah with, with alcohol and then come to Monday morning, they're already doing something that they don't like, which is having to go to the job. You know, most people don't like their job. Let's not beat around the bush. Then you got to go to your job on Monday, hung over as hell and you're parched. You're in the desert. You already don't like the work that you're doing. You don't like any of your coworkers. You definitely don't like your boss. And you were, you, you had to fly there and raise all this anxiety and all this cortisol because you were probably running late because you were probably hung over dot, dot, dot again. <laughs> and you start your sobriety journey on Monday. So we talk about the preparation. So the three Ps, the first P is preparation. The second P is practice. And the last P is patience. But recently, uh, we've been talking more about adding a fourth P, which is persistence. And if anybody knows yeah. me, I'm very persistent in what I want. Yeah. And you have to be persistent in what yeah, you want, sure. whether it's somebody's hand in marriage or if it's just trying to get somebody to go on a first date with you, you have to be persistent. If it's trying to get that raise at your job, if it's trying to get anything that you want out of life, you got to know that if it's not something that you can totally control, then there's if there's going to be other parties involved, then you're going to have to put up with the system of they want something and you want something too. So you got to find what the compromise is in that situation, but you got to continue to be persistent because as we learn things in the beginning, we learn like, okay, sobriety didn't work. I thought I was going to be sober. And then I went to my friend's house for the game. And then like everybody, there was like eight dudes there, eight hulking dudes wearing flannel and football jerseys. And they were all, you know, calling me feminine names and it didn't make me feel good so i kind of caved dot 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 again and i guess i'm not getting sober dot 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 again so maybe we'll try it whenever i feel like it dot 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 again right so persistence is definitely going to pay off but once you have that thought in your brain that you want to get sober once you've recognized that maybe your doctor report wasn't is uh as sparkling as you hoped it to be and you start to come to realizations like hey more people around me are dying and that's like i'm i'm gonna be 40 this year and it's like I was just thinking about a semi-crude fact, but I was like thinking about yesterday. I was like, two girls that I hooked up with in the past couple of years are dead now. And it's like, I'm only, I'm not even 40 yet, you know? And it's like starting to think like I lost my dad two years ago. I lost my great aunt um, from cancer. I lost almost everybody in my family from cancer, you know? And I was thinking about the pain that I had gone through watching my dad pass away. And, you know, God bless him. He lived his life. He was always laughing and happy and smiling, but it was always, you know, too, like he had his medicine with him, you know, and one of my episodes I talked about as part of the intro, a powerful intro was, you know, I, I wanted to know that my dad was present and that he was with us and he was happy. He was happily there with us and he was happy because he was with us, not happy because he had his medicine and we also happened to be there. Right. And so I didn't want anybody to have to go through that pain. And maybe, you know, a lot of my viewers happen to know, maybe they know, maybe I don't, they don't, who knows if they all listen to everything I say, but I'd spent the last uh, eight years. Um, I'm single now, but I was, I was engaged my fiance had two children. And I never wanted anybody and I never want anybody to feel the pain of having to watch me waste away um, in, for the last two months of my life. And I hope that there are going to be people that are going to want to be there at the end of my life. 
um, however it comes, but, you know, I never want anybody to, to, to go through that kind of pain and wonder, you know, what if, like, what if I had just put down the bottle a little sooner, or what if I had put down uh, drugs or, you know, whatever else a little down a little bit sooner. And if I just spent a little bit more time being with them and being present, not being hung over and telling them just to go like play in the other room, which regardless hung over or not, I still played with them. You know, I still made sure to let them know that I love them, that I cared about them. And I put in that kind of time. So the three P's of sobriety episode number uh, 87, I think, you know, that's, those are rules to live by for me. So make sure that you're preparing the proper way for, uh, for sobriety and then make sure that you're practicing your sobriety because there's a lot of practicing you got to do everything that you're going to do now in sober life. You're going to have to practice doing it sober. <laughs> maybe it's even just, maybe it's just, maybe it's making breakfast. Maybe you were putting a little bit of Bailey's in your coffee, you know, whatever it was, maybe you're having, maybe you're like me, I was putting a little bit of tequila in my coffee some mornings. Maybe during my lunch break, I was leaving work because there was a bar next door. I'll be right back. And I'd run over to the bar next door, grab myself a beer and a shot, you know, and then I go back to work, you know, whatever it was. And as soon as I was getting off work, I was going to, I was going to happy hour. And then after that, I'd go over to, to the drugstore and grab a box of wine. I go home, start eating. Cause of course I had a big appetite, but it was like, you know, going to the movies, going to the beach, going, you know, anywhere, going to social gatherings, going to somebody else's birthday. And of course my birthday, I'm going to get shit cans. And then new year's Eve, Thanksgiving, Christmas, name a holiday, name an event. There's, there's made up holidays. There's taco Tuesdays. There's whip it out Wednesdays, whatever else there's holiday every day of the week. And there's reasons to drink. There's going to be no shortage of days and reasons to drink, you know, whether it's your best day or your worst day or every other day in between, we're going to have to now practice. And it's not a consequence, but we're getting the opportunity to practice, figure out who the hell are you? Who, who are you? Who are you? You've just been a drunk person <laughs> for, for the last 10, 10 years, 20 years or whatever, and then trying to maintain a work life and a romantic life and whatever. So you have shades of who you are, but who are you really? Can you walk into a room and genuinely hug somebody and smile at somebody and tell them that you miss them? Or did you do that a hundred consecutive times just because you were drunk or intoxicated, right? And then let the last P of the three Ps, uh, patient, you got to be patient with yourself on a sober journey, just like any, any journey. If it's plane, train, or automobile, if you get on a plane, is that we already know it's going to be a bunch of riffraff. You're going to have to walk. You're going to have to schlep all your bags to the airport. You got to wait in that line to the TSA checkout, make, get your shoe. You already know. You already know you got to wear your Crocs or your flip-flops. Don't even wear, just wear your, just, just look like a homeless person when you go to the, when you're going to go to the airport. Don't bother wearing a belt or a nice fancy watch. You know, like as soon as you get, it's funny. You watch people get off a plane when at an airport and you're just like, look at what is this? Is this a homeless shelter? Is this homeless? Did this homeless shelter just dump a bunch of people from Cleveland? even to Los Angeles here, take all of our homeless people. We don't want them anymore. And you know, like you already know, and then you're going to be sitting on the plane. So there's going to be a baby crying. Somebody wants the middle, they want the armrest and they're, you know, twice your size. You're just going to let them have it. Cause you were lucky enough to get the window seat. But, and then, you know, and it's like, well, I got the window seat, but then I had a couple of Chardonnays cause they're free. Cause why not? Now I have to use the bathroom. Now I got to get past this guy and he's going to roll his eyes at me. And then the kid in front of me or the kid behind me is me in the back of my seat. It's like every journey is going to have their hiccups, but it's not going to be, you're not going to stand up on the plane and be like, pilot, pull over, just flat, no land it. I can't stand it. This is, this journey is inconvenient. It's very inconvenient. As, as convenient as it is that you're flying, flying 500 miles through the air, land the plane right now. I'll just walk. <laughs> you forget about things like that. You forget about in how inconvenient all journeys are going to be, right? But if you look at the bright side, it's it's a, it's all about trying to find more silver linings. There are silver linings, right? There are positive ways to look at things, and there are certainly negative ways to look at things too. But now that we are finding more strength and more strides in sobriety, we have more opportunities to be to be less anxious, to be less depressed 
to be less angry that people have more money than us because we're going to start to slowly catch up. We're going to be less depressed or anxious or angry that people are looking better than us because our skin's going to start to clear up. We're going to stop making bad diet decisions. We're going to start to look better, feel better, and just be better. And that's going to start to radiate. And that radiation, that frequency, that vibration that we're putting out there is going to do what? It's going to start to attract the type of people that we want to be friends with. It's going to start to attract the mates that we maybe potentially want, that we've been sitting there praying for this, this loyal person <laughs> that doesn't smell too bad, that mostly pays their bills on time, whatever it is. My standards are a little bit low right now, right now Lord. Just give me somebody that just helps me pay the mortgage. I don't know, that they don't smell terrible. Whatever, amen. You know, and then, and then once we start to raise our standards a little bit more, it's like, now I know that I'm a more complete package. And maybe somebody out there is praying for somebody like me. And and maybe if they're radiating, if they're if they're if they're vibrating a better frequency, you know, maybe I'll also be attracted to them the way that you know they're attracted to me, and then life becomes a little bit more uh, harmonious. So that's uh, the the philosophy of the the three P's, and soon to be added the fourth P of uh, of um, what I already forgot what it was. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say procrastination. <laughs> No, persistence. <laughs> persistence, yeah. Yeah, you got because right now, and congratulations on your 10 months. I'm Thanks. eight next week. If we're in maintenance mode, I feel like once after we get to a year, it's going to be maintaining this, like you said. And you've done everything for the first time, hopefully, in the first 12 months. But on a side note, you said you've been single for eight years, and I've heard you talk about, you know, the kids and the ex fiance and all the rest of it. But I've got a lot of single women that I know that are sober. So we can talk after we finish this uh, podcast about hooking you up if you're open to it. So you never know. There's a lot of sable sable women out there, darling, and there's a lot of them that are your age. That's fine with me as long as they're taking as long as they're willing to take on a guy with a cat, (laughs) twenty-one pound cat, a little bit of student loan debt. Hey, we can talk. (laughs) But no, the thing is, like you said, when you were talking about when you were describing. Um, we should plan for this sobriety. I planned for nothing. I white knuckled it for 14 days. I was like that person on the airplane with turbulence. Seriously, I was oh, yeah. I was shocking. But then I found you. I found you literally about on day two. And I was like, I went through some other people. And I thought they're boring. They're just so boring. And for those of you now that have just listened to him, you can understand why I stuck with this guy. Yes, he is <laughs> the comedian. And that's his other... That's his other, another career that he does. He's done many, many things. And his creative side is incredible. But this bloke, I sat there and I watched him and I thought, he can't be sober. And people have said that to me. And he had a few drinks. I'm like, no. But now this is just who we are. This is the better version of ourselves. We thought we needed the alcohol to be like this. We thought the alcohol, you know, we needed alcohol to be funnier, to be accepted. And the acceptance is a huge, huge part of getting sober accepting yourself and really who gives a shit what other people think now you know you're a good person you know you're a better person you know your skin's clearer you know that you're funnier all these things i'm like i like deb now and i i've become my own best friend and i coach myself through this sobriety and i do it in funny ways that will probably make you laugh and make other people think she's nuts but i do you know and you have you found the same thing that it's about acceptance for sure i um I always want to be, I always, I always say that the, the most important relationship that you're going to have is the relationship with yourself. Cause yeah. when you're birthed yeah. into this world through that particular canal, like, yeah, your mother is there at that moment. <laughs> Otherwise that's not possible, but you, whatever you are. So let's try to break down. We're going to get a little existential for a second. What are you? 
You know, are you your hairstyle? Are you the color of your skin or your eyes? Are, are you any of that? What are you? Are you energy? Are we matter? Are we, a, are you a soul? Who know, who really knows what we mm. are? Okay. Mm. But all of your life experience coupled with maybe some <clears throat> physical attributes and maybe your belief or your religion or your personal philosophies all make you, you. And from the moment that we're born to the moment that we die, we are really just whatever we are in this fleshy vehicle. And then we exit the world. We exit the world stage left and that's it. And then maybe they write something on your headstone. Every day we have to be with ourselves. Every day we have to be either with ourselves or stuck with ourselves. <laughs> so mm. part of, you know, what I try to do is, um, you know, for me is it's important that I protect myself. I, it's, I, it's important to me that I facilitate me being the best version of myself that I could possibly be because I, I, like I have to be myself. Everybody else is taken, right? You can't be anybody else. You got to be yourself. And there's like nothing more genuine and nothing more gratifying uh, feeling, in my opinion, than just truly being yourself. And of course, are some people not going to like you? Yeah. And they're entitled to have their cup of tea. Why are there some, how come not all tea is Earl Grey then? If there, if there, you know, if there wasn't, <laughs> exactly. if there, you know, if, like there's so many different varieties of anything that you want. Like, why are there so many burger places? The last time I checked, it was bun, lettuce, tomato, meat, cheese, <laughs> bun, right? It's not, a, it's not a complicated formula. You think like, why are there, there should just be one, one burger place then. It's the same, it's the same food in French fries. They haven't changed that technology in a couple hundred years, but still variety is, is, uh, is one of the best uh, avenues in life, you know, and using that responsibly. So I, I definitely wanted acceptance. Uh, well, for me, it was a little bit different uh, just because I had to deal with acceptance in a different way. You know, I happen to be Asian American. Um, mm. my, fa my father grew up in, <clears throat> in the Philippines. And um, so he had a little bit of an accent, whatever. And so he came to this country in the seventies with, you know, the hopes of the American dream. Right. And uh, my mother's side of the family, I'm um, other than Filipino, I'm next mostly uh, German. So like German, English, Irish, uh, a couple Scandinavian thing, a couple things peppered in there, a little bit of Italian, whatever else. Um, uh, this big chunk of like Eastern European for the most part. And then uh, the half Filipino. Right. And then so but I grew up in a uh, I grew up in a, a semi urban area. I grew up in Lorraine City in the county of Lorraine. So Lorraine City, Lorraine County in Ohio. And which is just the next county over. It's the next county west from where I live now. I live in Cuyahoga County, which is where Cleveland is, again, in northeast Ohio. And so in that particular area, there is a, there's a very large uh, Puerto Rican population. Um, and there is an even bigger Caucasian population, a white uh, population. And there is also a large uh, Black or African-American population. But you know what there isn't a big population of people that look like me. <laughs> so I was easily... <laughs> I was easily the target of everybody's ridicule. So I had to, sh I had to develop, you know, my options were either a just put up with it and try to mind my own business while I'm getting bullied and picked on. So I didn't like that option. B was, um, getting fights all the time, which, you know, I kind of, yeah, kind of want, you kind of want to just, you know, uh, defeat your enemy. Right. But that doesn't really solve any problems or C develop a, a quick, sharp wit that kind of gets you out of situations from time to time to time. And just try to be the smartest kid in the class, which I did. Um, so that avenue worked for me, but like growing up Asian, I was Bruce Lee. I was the karate kid. I was Mr. Miyagi. I was Yao Ming. I was every single, every single, um, Asian, very few Asian superstars. That's what I was. That's what I was referred to. That's how I was always ridiculed every day. And so I just kind of had to put up with it. And it was like, well, my, my existence isn't going to get any easier. I can try to either turn my enemies into my friends, which was a philosophy that I was figuring out at a very early age, um, or just 
try to defeat my enemies and keep them enemies, right? So it, it's interesting, you know, what your environment does to you. And ultimately at the, at the heart of that message is acceptance is what we're talking about. And, and so knowing, you know, like now a lot of people say that I look like maybe the wrestler X-Pac or I look like Brandon Boyd, the lead singer of Incubus or Dave Grohl, the drummer of, uh, was the drummer of Nirvana, <laughs> the lead singer of the Food Fighters or, um, or uh, Steve Aoki, I get a lot. And yeah. um, he's a DJ, right? So I get that a lot. And a lot of people, you know, people like to generalize other people just for the sake of maybe making themselves feel better. And, or on the flip side of that, maybe feeling like, oh, I made this keen observation. You look like Steve Aoki. Has anybody ever told you that? And it's like, yeah, I hear that all the time. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you're proud of yourself um, for making this observation. If I've maybe brought that kind of joy to your life, cool. But you don't have that kind of tool. You don't have those tools to be able to say things like that when you're seven, right? Or eight or nine. And now we have, you know, the highest, the most depressed generation uh, of all of measurable human history is now the millennial generation, which is, I like to brand myself as the oldest millennial. I was born in 1981. And, um, and then the next uh, most depressed generation is the generation directly after that, which is Gen Z um, or Xenials. And um, so when we talk about people being depressed, it's like, well, what was happening? And it's like, what was the landscape of the world? And, you know, after coming off of world wars and having the baby boomer generation and the baby boomer generation having like this more wholesome kind of lifestyle than the, the, than the, the, the war on drugs happened, Vietnam, you have this political landscape changing in the psyche of America or the world changing and making you question what's real and what isn't. Why did we go to war in Vietnam? Why do we go, like, why has the United States as a whole been at war for their entire history, except for like, what, 14 years? out of the entire history of the United States, mm -hmm. it's been at war. So we have a baby boomer, boomer generation raising, um, uh, what was it, uh, Generation X and mm -hmm. Generation, and then millennials. And we're all kind of wondering like what's real, what's fake. And we have now we're starting to get more and more technology starting to flood the landscape of things. And um, going back to the whole thing about acceptance is now it's like all of our acceptance is this. It's just holding mm -hmm. this phone in front of our yeah. face liking, mm. going back to see if you've got any likes, going back to email to see if you've got any emails, go back to Facebook to see if anybody liked anything that you did. Did I get another notification? Let me check the news. Is there any more? No, let me refresh. Let me go back to Instagram. Let me go back to Reddit. Let me go back to Facebook. Let me go back to my email. Let me check my text. How come they didn't check me? They, did they read the message? And you're just like, acceptance, acceptance, acceptance. I need a drink. After all that, you're just like, you're looking for acceptance everywhere, right? And, um, and for a lot of us, it just like alcohol also just made you go, you know, fuck it. I don't care. I don't care. If, I don't care who likes me, just whatever. If they, if they don't, if, if they don't like me, screw them, you know, and, it, and we end up having, there's a lot of ne negative connotations there. And it uh, ends up, you know, putting us in a dark hole and keeps us, a lot of us isolated. And especially already we have the pandemic happening where we were isolated to begin with. And then the government said, Hey, um, so don't leave the house. Don't leave the house unless it's absolutely important. But um, also, too, you're not allowed to go to AA meetings and the liquor stores are still open. So we we're like, uh, so yeah. the wait a minute. Hold on a second. So the government's telling me to stay home and then they're giving me free money to stay home and, and the liquor stores are open. OK, see you later, world. And then so I spent <laughs> at the beginning of the pandemic. I probably consumed uh, the most amount of alcohol per capita <laughs> in my house. And uh, amongst other things, I was just watching concerts in my basement and having a grand old time until it became like that was just my normal accept or my normal day to day routine. And there was no acceptance. It was just me in this dark, this dark hole, um, literally and figuratively of alcoholism. And I was like, you know, that this is enough's enough. And once you get to that point where enough's enough, that's when you start your sobriety journey. 
Isn't it funny? I was in exactly the same boat as you. COVID and when we got locked up, as I said, there was no time on the clock. It was just a number. Morning. My, my husband told me, um, honey, because he's a microbiologist and he has a lot to do with viruses and things. And he said, oh, you know, with COVID, I've heard whiskey can actually help. So guess what I did in the morning? Whiskey in the coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, said became lunch o'clock, became, you know, it was just ridiculous. He was working from home and I was drinking from home. And that was a great arrangement. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it did. And I thought, I, then I started to feel really shit, like physically and mentally. It's exhausting. Like you said, you're playing mental gymnastics, just trying to organise everywhere. You know, everywhere the alcohol was going with me, in the car, doing this, doing that. Oh, have I got alcohol? Are we going on a trip? Have I got alcohol? Are we going to the shops? Are we going to Costco? Oh, I better take a road cup. It was getting to the point where it was just bloody ridiculous. And everything started hurting because I'm older than you. As I said, I'm 58. And I thought, I got it one day and I thought, oh, shit, the legs feel like steel. And I was out of breath and I was having, starting to have panic attacks again and the depression was really bad. And I thought, I, don't, I can't even live in my skin. And I think the reason I kept drinking when I, and this is what I've discovered, is that I just couldn't face myself. I couldn't face myself. I just thought, I just can't stand you. I can't deal with you. You just, I'd accepted the fact that this is how I was going to die. It was really, really bad. And I've, as I said, I've listened to a lot of people's stories and people get to that point and you either keep going when you get to that really critical point where you know you're in serious, serious trouble and you're scared to death for your life or you do something about it. It's like coming to the, the V in the road and you go that way or that way. And thank God I just just made the decision I made because that bloody devil, and I do, I, we, I call alcohol a devil. I reckon that's what it is, mate. I don't know about you, but, yeah. And the thing is, you and I are on similar paths because I said because I'm just come, coming up right behind you. But if you, like, <clears throat> something I do want to bring up with you is have you had any slips or anything and talk about moderation? Uh, slips? No, well, no, I'm still completely sober. Um, after 10 months, we, we talk about the idea of uh, moderation comes up, obviously, because it's still fresh in people's minds. You know, they wonder yeah. like, well, well, when, when, <clears throat> when can I drink again? And I, I made yeah. an episode, I can't, I don't remember what episode it was. Um, but you know, people, people wonder like when, well, well, can I ever drink again? Or like, if, if, if I can drink, when, when I drink again, when is too soon? And how should I do it? And drinking in moderation. And of course, you know, moderation is key to anything. Like I don't have a problem with anything, you know, like if you, for people that watch my channel, I'd always said, I mean, I don't always broadcast this, but like, you know, people that I know personally, I say like, I have a pretty healthy relationship with drugs. I've never had, you know, I've never found myself I was never like an eight ball over a weekend type of person or like, mm. you know, I mean, let me get cranked out on like acid. It's like, it's hard, really hard to have an acid problem. <laughs> first of all, you know, it's like, you know, I'm just gonna, I just, I just tend to disappear for 13 hours a day, five days a week. You know, I, I don't really do that. You know, I, I find those to be a little bit more ritualistic, um, which is not to say that that's what I do um, in place of, uh, of alcohol, but um, I never had a problem. I guess a more innocent point was like, I never had a problem with sugar, right? I never had a problem with carbs. I never have a, I never had a problem really with anything else. I do know that I have what some people refer, refer to as uh, an addictive personality. You know, you're, your brain is wired, whether or not it's addictive, your brain is wired to crave things like fat and mm -hmm. salt and mm -hmm. sugar and sex and whatever, our monkey brain, right? And maybe caffeine as we're, you know, sitting here taking sips of our coffee or tea or whatever. And um, 
you know, your body, you get a little bit of that and then some dopamine is released and your body, yeah. your brain says, get more of that. Let's get more mm-hmm. of that. And then of course, you know, in, in Western cultures, more is more, right? So if we had a little bit of that, we got a little bit more, we're going to feel even more <laughs> better. And then, you know, it's like, it's all about that. The biggest, the best thing more now save, you know, get twice as much for the price of one and all that stuff. And, um, you know, so moderation, everybody likes to say every now and then, you know, I read all of the comments. So if you do come by to getting sober, dot, dot, dot again (laughs) on YouTube, if you come by and you do, if you take the time out of your day to leave a comment, if you get a heart back from getting sober again, the channel, I, that's me. I don't have an intern. I don't have uh, anybody reading the comment. I read all the comments and I have never in my life. There is the almost three years of existence of this channel. I have never hearted a comment that I haven't personally read. So I take time out of my day to read your comments because you took time out of your day and that's minimizing it. Let's be real. You took, you spent time out of your life, out of the linear timeline of your life. You you were born and eventually you're going to die. And you spent a small sliver of your life commenting and sharing part of your story, whether it was I'm six days sober, or if it's a lecture about how happy and how proud you are, or maybe if it's, you know, the opposite about, you are talking about you're about to lose everything, or you just lost everything, or you're diagnosed with something terminal. I take the time, I give each one of those comments a heart. And then for a lot of people too, um, I, you know, I also take the time to, uh, to respond to the comments, especially if I feel like you, if somebody needs it, you know, they might need an extra mm-hmm. boost, an extra little bit of, uh, of motiva- motivation. But the whole point of what I'm talking about right now is I'm glad that I remember the point was the, um, the, the moderation. So I, I was talking about how I read all the comments and a, a popular one that comes up when people kind of want to look down their nose and say like, well, moderation is important. So like, you know, drinking in moderation is key and, you know, and all that stuff and being like judgmental, but it's like, obviously they don't know what people, what kind of real pain that people are going through. And if moderation was, was an answer for us, we would have just done that in the beginning. But most people, when they start drinking, they don't start drinking with a, okay, um, guide to (laughs) drinking. Step one, don't drink more than one drink per hour. Okay. Good advice. Um, your liver metabolizes one unit of alcohol per hour. Wow. This is very factual. There's no pamphlet that comes with alcohol. The pamphlet that comes with alcohol is your television. It's commercials. It's, it's George Clooney and Brad Pitt in Vegas, you know, uh, pitching you a bottle of something or your favorite rappers talking about Ciroc or whatever, or you turn on the TV and they're playing volleyball in slow motion and cracking open a Corona. You know, they're selling you on this better way of living. You know, why does have a drab existence being entertained while you're being entertained? Why don't you get shit faced while you're being entertained too? Because the entertainment wasn't enough. Isn't the entertainment enough? Isn't going to the movies enough? Isn't playing volleyball enough Mm -hmm. entertainment? Mm You know, and mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, talk about moderation and it's like, yeah, if moderation, if we were taught how to drink responsibly, maybe in the beginning, maybe we would have moderation. Maybe if there's more of a dialogue instead of villainizing it and treating people that, that suffer from AUD like criminals, instead of mm-hmm. treating like a health crisis, just like mm-hmm. any other addiction, maybe it would be a little bit more healthy and we have more holistic approaches to AUD, alcohol use disorder. So with regard to, uh, you know, people talking about moderation, most of us were introduced to drinking at a frat party. Most of us were introduced to drinking by 
a toxic, abusive ex that wanted you to be on the same level of them while they abused themselves and were on the verge of killing themselves almost every single day. We were peer pressured. We were bullied. We were held upside down over a keg of beer and told to drink, 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 chug, 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 shots, shots, shots. That's how we were inter- That's yeah. how we were entertained. That's how we were introduced to alcohol. So moderation isn't, that's not, a, that's not an option for us at, at, yeah. at this point. Yeah, no. And we've discussed this with many, many, many people. And you're absolutely right. If it was possible, then why would we be here? And it doesn't come with a pamphlet. And I said to you before, the process for everybody who drinks enough alcohol will start and eventually end up the same. It's just the timeline that changes. And obviously I went too far with too much and here I am. And I agree with you, it's an alcohol use disorder. You know, we're addicted to the substance. And so this takes away the stigma of you being weak. You can't handle it. Why? You, what's wrong with you? You've got a problem because you gave up alcohol. You know, people stigma. People are uneducated out there because the marketing just makes it so glamorous all the time. And I agree with you totally. It really does. And from someone from a marketing and advertising background, you know, now they're marketing to such young kids, and I don't really want to get into that too much. But, they, you know, I sit here on the river and I've got this big boat, billboard thing that goes by and it's all covered with alcohol ads I mean it's just everywhere everywhere you turn but I want to go back a little bit and talk about now you said that you're um you know getting sober dot 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 again on YouTube it's three years old now so you actually yeah so where were you at you said you've been this time sober without any breaks for 10 months were you back trying three years ago when you started the particular web that started YouTubing and doing what you were doing? Um, well, I, I don't remember. <laughs> you would know better than I would. Anybody that's out there <laughs> watching would know better than I would because I don't watch the <laughs> beginning episodes. <laughs> the, my first, I, do. <laughs> I think my first, uh, I don't know how many it was. I think my first like 20 or so episodes were in color. I don't know. Yeah. And then I made the switch to black and white. So at the time, at the beginning, so coincidentally, the, the channel started on my ex's birthday on November 28th, 2018, which was the day after Thanksgiving. And I decided to go cold turkey. So I thought, ironically, on the day that we would eat cold turkey in America, celebrating (laughs) Thanksgiving, I would then just, well, it's cute. I'll just go cold turkey on the day we eat cold turkey. You call it cold turkey day, right? So, but at the time though, I was, you know, I was drinking and carrying on. We'll just leave it at that. We'll call, we'll, we'll, we'll generalize what else, whatever else I was doing is carrying on. So I was drinking and carrying on. I was also on antidepressants at that time. And um, I think I may have been taking, um, I can't even remember, sertraline, maybe, yep. whatever the yep. generic, that's the generic. Yes, generic. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So I was taking that and, um, and or Wellbutrin. I'm not really sure what I was taking at the time. I was going to therapy and then wondering how come I talk for 45 minutes and then they only talk to say well um time's up time's so up we'll see you next week and i'm like for what so i can get stirred up and get angry and i have to go sit in the parking lot and pound my steering wheel and i'm like how come i'm paying for this <laughs> so i you know oh my God. <laughs> and i was like I, I don't have the money or the resource luckily i was on medicaid to be on this therapy <laughs> on my fourth th- on my fourth therapist but you know wondering and maybe people that are listening out there i think that they're coming out with better um, better tools and apps. And I always like to pose this out there for everybody because, you know, I, I'm not a fan of people holding on to beneficial information that's going to potentially benefit all of mankind, right? And I don't have the tools or resources. The only thing that I say is if you take this idea and run with it, please cut me a check for 2%. 
um, of the overall royalties, right? Take the 2%. I'll take the 2%. But the idea is, you know, you're familiar with dating sites, right? Like match.com or OkCupid or whatever, where they're actually, you know, you're trying to date people, not like Tinder where you're just swiping for people to hook up, right? <laughs> so like, but so in the case of OkCupid, I liked because OkCupid, the website, which I'm not plugging, we're not, we're not affiliated with, you can um, sign up for a dating profile, but you answer a bunch of questions. And the more questions that you answer, it helps the app to develop or to um, identify what type of person you are, your likes, your interests, your dislikes, and matches you up with a potential suitor. To And then you can already see like, wow, I'm a 97% match with this person. Or you say mm-hmm. like, wow, I'm really attracted to this person, but they're a 47% match. Probably not a good idea, right? And we don't have that in life. We don't know that like this restaurant is a 47% match or it's a 97% match. And we don't know that also about our therapist. So an idea that I have is um, I would like for there to be an app out there where we can plug mm. in information about ourselves, whether or not you're a single mother or you're in a family, you have kids, you don't have kids, you're elderly, you're not. You've been to Woodstock or you've been to a music festival. Have you done acid? Have you not done acid? You know, it'll help you. It'll help d- determine what type of person that's, a th- what type of therapist might actually have some beneficial life experience because a- as base, as a base level, therapy and therapists are going to just have printed approved medical literature that they have to regurgitate and try to take maybe some yeah. of their own creative steps. Like let's work on breathing today. Or we have, we thought about, you know, the existential positions of this, that, or the other thing. So maybe a, a 24, no, nothing against, uh, you know, male, not talking about male or female, but I happen to be a male, but if I'm talking to a female and she's 24 and I'm 40, I'm like, I've got, that's, that's a, that's a lot of years of life experience that I have. That's differing mm-hmm. from a, a fresh out of college uh, person who doesn't know the struggles of, of being a man. Just like, I don't know the struggles of being a woman and doesn't have all the life experience. Like while you let's like, hold on a second. While you were in the third grade, I was <laughs> on Jupiter on two tabs of acid. Okay. So our lives are a little bit different, right? So I don't really know what you're going to tell me, but I'm pretty sure I already know what the book says. Yeah, how you, are you really going to help me so if, if anybody out there that's listening wants to share with me the profits and take all you all, all the work develop an app out there that can line up patients and doctors mm. because now we know just like this zoom call we can have zoom therapy sessions well now i know i can i can have there i can get therapy from somebody in brazil that knows about plant medicine there's something that's not, that i'm mm. interested in something that I've, I've partaken in and they can use the base philosophies and principles of printed medical literature from uh, psychology, right? And then they can couple that with all of their life experience that's relevant to me to really help create a program for me that works. Just like we all have to figure out a program for us that works for sobriety. Yeah, and that's a good point. You know, we being a little older, we do have, especially me, we do have life experience. And that's what we're trying to share, you know, especially with the younger ones out there. And with, um, with IAS that we belong to and we do our own Zooms, I was saying to you before, you know, we've got some younger people coming through in their early 20s and it is just fantastic to see, you know, we're taking them under our wing, um, you know, we're putting them in small groups, especially we have women, women's only groups and our men now are starting to do men's Zooms on a particular day just for them as well because us women talk about things that you guys really don't want to hear about and it's not always about sobriety it's about building friendships building the support being there for one another and everybody loves being a part of it everybody loves being a part of something really good and it gets back to like you said about the work environment how many people just really don't enjoy their job you've only got to look around an office or just your environment where you are and see who's just sitting there smiling and it's usually the guy that's funny in the office that's cracking the joke 
that gets all the attention because he's about the only one that looks happy even if he's not. Or the woman, in my case, you know, like when I was really positive and really happy and people said, you can't possibly be like that all the time. I said, well, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm in sales. You want me to go around with bloody, you know, my smile around my ankles? Like, it just, you know, it's infectious. People want to be around people who are positive and motivating and supportive. You know what I mean? That's that's what we're here for. And with, with you, that's what I said, and for the listeners, they, you, they now know how funny you, because you just crack me up. You're just hilarious. And it's so refreshing to see that there is a platform like yours on getting sober dot, dot, dot again that people can go and listen to and have some fun with it. You know, yeah. um, I know we've all got to be cautious and we want to provide a safe space for our listeners. We obviously do, and we do the best we can. And we do, um, we have a lady, Polly, who vents um, the girls just, just you know, so we know a little bit about them and they come through through reference. But everyone, once they do get into these little groups, is so important. And we have a saying, connection is the opposite of addiction. That is what it is all about for us. And it's worked. I wouldn't be sober, I don't think, Jay, without this connections or the connections that I have. I've made lifelong friends from all over the world. So what do you what do you do? You said you've I know there's a guy Sam in the background because I hear you talk about Sam and I know oh, your mum rings up and tells you about the sound. Jay turned the sound. The sound's not right. His mum's hilarious. She's she keeps him on his toes. <laughs> yeah, she's there. Um, so Sam, uh, to clarify, Sam is a lady. And um, oh, sorry, Sam. <laughs> no, it's okay. So Sam is a Sam, and Sam's not here now. Sam's at work. But <laughs> so Sam, uh, Sam is actually a, a girl. That's um, a female that's uh, uh, now a good friend of mine that I met yep. in the bar right before I decided to get sober, dot, 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 again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she was, she and I were definitely not sober the night that we met. And that's how I'm just going to end that introduction of Sam. So, um, you know, time goes on and months go by. And then that was a, a very reckless period um, of my life. That was so I've known Sam for about a year now. So of course now it's, it's about to be September. So I think I met her, um, I think, you know, or maybe I think she said that we met on September 18th. I may be wrong. Sorry, Sam, if you're listening. So I think it was almost, almost a year ago that we met. And, that, and then again, of course, I started my sobriety journey on October 30th of 2020. Well, I started it again, okay? Yeah, um, because yeah. when I started in the beginning, um, which I don't think I finished that story. I started the channel on November 28th. 2018, because mm. part of it was I wanted to prove to my fiance that I could be present, that I could be there, that I wasn't going to be um, intoxicated and her not knowing what version of myself that was going to wake up, et cetera. So I decided to cleverly then call that episode being present was my present. Right. And um, so that's what I, you know, and so that was like my gift to her. But at the end of the day, you still, it, you have to do this for you. If you're getting sober for somebody else, you're, you, that's just going to be hanging over your head the entire time. Whatever yeah, you do, exactly. you have to do it for you. You're not getting, you're not getting a degree for somebody else. Maybe you're mm -hmm. doing it. You know, you're trying to better your life and get a better paying yeah. job for your kids. Right. So that they can have a better life. Right. But when we talk about sobriety, that is entirely yours. That's to clear out your liver, to clear out your kidneys, to give yourself, to add a couple more years onto your longevity. But so going back to Sam, um, so I met Sam about a year ago um, and she's a moderator. She's become a very, uh, very good and trusted friend. Um, I see Sam almost exclusively um, over, over anybody else, you know, so she's sober. I'm sober. We both trust each other to, uh, to keep each other accountable. And she's a little bit mm. younger than me. She is 24 and I'm 39. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's an interesting dynamic there because, you know, she, she's, she's on board with, with the mission, 
which is to help people to start their sobriety journey one video at a time. And I emphasize that very specifically often. Our mission is to help people start their sobriety mission. You are welcome to continue using our channel and using the episodes if it can help you advance your sobrieties. And we do have advanced topics. My personal approach with the channel is we are helping people to get sober one video at a time through philosophy, through Mm -hmm. um, humor, right? Mm -hmm. Through psychology and from just uh, from practical wisdom. I'm not the, the, the sharpest knife in the drawer. I'm not the brightest bulb in the tree, whatever analogy you want to use, but I have my certain set of skills and I try my best to use them the best of my abilities, which again is with this whole, you know, uh, with this whole, this whole culture of comparison. And I made an episode called, you know, comparison is the thief of joy. So that's uh that was a, um, was a Theodore Roosevelt, um, quote. So a lot mm-hmm. of us are just comparing ourselves to Instagram stars or YouTube stars or what we see on TV because what was presented, you know, like I'm sure Jesus wasn't, wasn't always, you know, so eloquent. I'm sure Jesus wasn't always just spitting God, you know, spitting bars of God's fire. You know, I'm sure there was a couple of days where Jesus was like, you know what? I'm not really feeling it today, guys. Can we just, can we just chill? And guess what? Didn't make it in the Bible. And Jesus said unto his apostles, you know what guys? How about we just chill today? You know, that part didn't make it in the Bible, (laughs) right? So it's like, we can't be eloquent. We can't be our best selves all the time, but we're practicing being a better version of ourselves every day. And, uh, you know, so my mom is there and my mom also just celebrated five months of sobriety. So my mom and Sam, um, my, my mom and Sam are basically on the same sobriety schedule and, um, and that's awesome. And my mom will be the first person to tell you she's cat mom. If you come to live streams, her, her username is, uh, is cat mom and Sam is same. It's S-A-M with a capital E. And they're both moderators. They have a little wrench next to their name. But my mom will be the first person to tell you that her sobriety is not because of my channel. She just decided to do that on her own. And I was like, okay, mom, you could even just give me that one. <laughs> you could even give me a little bit of a, a little yeah, bit of credit now. But it's okay. You know, it's, you know, the mom, you know, the parents maybe don't want to, uh, you know, give the, the credit to the children or whatever. But that's not my personal philosophy. You know, like when I was a stepdad to, uh, to two amazing children, um, which I just saw them this past weekend, the, the youngest boy just celebrated his, uh, his 11th birthday. I, you know, I'd always tell them, I say, you know, like I happen to be your teacher right now. I happen to be, I will always be older than you, but I will not. And I hope not to be always smarter than you. I, I happen to have more life experience than you at the moment, but eventually yeah. just as I am your teacher now, eventually you will be my teacher later. I am stronger than you now, but you will be stronger than me later. I am going to depend on the lessons that I've instilled in you and the compassion the consideration, the caring, and the flexibility, and the openness, and the fluidity that I've hopefully instilled in you to know and to say when I'm wrong, and to say, and you know, to say that this may be the information that's best now, but let's all keep an open mind that this may not be the information that's going to be relevant or be the answer in the future. And as life continues to change, and the rules continue to change, and the way that we interact with each other in on social media, in person, whatever, those things continue to change. You could argue that one of the only things that are guaranteed to happen is change. 
So I'm happy that my mom's there. And some people, I, I take polls throughout the live streams. And I even asked the, 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 I asked the audience, I said, do you think it's weird that my mom's here for every, <laughs> for every live stream? <laughs> and I think it's adorable, you know, cause we didn't always yeah. have the best relationship, you know, yeah. I may or may not have had to go to jail because of my mom, you know, and uh, you know, we, we may or may not have butted heads. I may or may not have said to her something along the lines of why did you have children? You know, and we have, we, I'm sure, you know, we all have things that we we're not proud of saying, but I'm proud to say that we have a, a much better relationship mm. now. So much so that like, I, I was nervous. I was nervous to do this channel and like how much, how transparent can I be? Like, am I like really trying to, am I really trying to go on like my sober channel and like allude to the fact that like, I maybe have had put a little bit of cocaine up my nose and my mom watches every <laughs> single one of these episodes. Like, is she, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I never officially told my mom, like, Hey, I've done, I've done acid and mushrooms and ecstasy and cocaine and Adderall and, you know, everything pretty much under the sun. Uh, I've never officially told her all those things, but you know, I'm sure she found out through the channel and our relationship is just better than ever. Cause obviously those are things I did in the past. I'm not doing any longer, but I was a little bit worried about like how, how I was going to have to pull my punches because for me being, I identify heavily with being a Sagittarius, being a truth seeker and the truth will set you free. And I knew that like, I was going to have to take a gamble just like in any relationship, any aspect of life to get the most fulfillment out of life. You got to be truthful. You got to say what you mean and you got to stick to it. Even if that costs you some unemployment, even if that costs you your eight year relationship. Do you want a longer relationship or do you want a truthful relationship? And I always tell people, I was like, just because you've known people your whole life doesn't mean that you have to know them for the rest of your life. Mm, that's an excellent point, you know, about being honest. We talk about that a lot too. I've got a, a, my friend Polly and we, we, everybody knows Polly on IAS and, and a lot of the listeners and a lot of the people who are involved, she's involved in this, um, particular podcast group too and you have to be honest and sometimes you know we don't want to face it we don't want to let those things out of the bag but that was the past we can't change it it happened it was your life you should write a book jay as everyone says to me you should write a book all right um and you can only educate those look everybody's going to make mistakes you know i had two duis i had one at 23 and i didn't have another one till i was 53 and again, like sobriety, you never know when it's going to come back and the voice is going to come back and kick me in the ass, catch me off guard, wear me down and say, guess what, girl? If I let it in the door, it's just going to keep persisting. And why do I know that? Is because we've got a guy who's just told his story on, um, on Sobertown and he had the voice there for a long, long time, but he, had, he did what he had to do, got back on the way. And now he says, I needed to do it. And now I know better. Everything we do, we're learning. Every single thing we read, everything the same we want. As I said, you taught me so much. And the, the worst mistake you can make is think you know it bloody all. You don't. You don't even begin to know it all. The best thing you can do is stay humble and stay true to yourself. And your relationships, like you said, how much better is it with your mum? My relationships have improved so much more. I thought they were great before. I had no idea they could be this good. It's like I said, I'm living in high definition now. Everything was grey before, just like you are now, black and white. I'm looking at Jay with his long, long, long dark hair, longer than mine, and <laughs> um, and he's in black and white. But it's it's you know it's crazy how your relationships have improved because they're seeing the real you, the authentic you, the present you. You know, there's no facade anymore. That's true, and that's what I think we're all trying to be. Um, you know. <clears throat> 
our life becomes an accumulation of trauma. I'm going to say that again, write it down. Mm. If you want to. Your life is becomes an accumulation of trauma. And then beyond that, your life becomes a series of responses to accumulated trauma. And people forget that. I'm very big on, again, finding the truth, but I'm, I'm very big on getting to the base of the root of why we do what we do. You know, Sam, the moderator brought up a story. She was talking about, um, it was a, uh, let's say a housewife cooked a ham a certain way every year. And she, in, and every year they, she, she, she just made it the way that she made it. And she would cut the ends off the ham and she put it in the oven and she made the ham and she did it that way her whole life. And one day somebody asked her, so, you know, why do you, why do you cut the ends off the ham? And she said, well, I don't know. That's just how I learned how to do it. And, and then, so the, and then, so the, the, the wife, the housewife said, well, that's, that's how my mom did it. That's how I learned how to do it. So I just thought that that was just the way that everybody did it. And, and then, so she asked the, 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 the housewife asked her elderly mother and says, why did you cut the, the ends off the ham? And, um, and then the, the, the mother, the grandmother now says, she says to her, well, it's because honey, it, did, it didn't fit in the pan. So I had it. That's, that's why, that's why I did that. And, uh, it's like, well, I've been this whole time. I've been wasting all this ham thinking that's how, that's how you're supposed to do it. Maybe it's going to make it juicier or whatever. And so we learn, we, we, our teachers, our, our, our environment, our teachers, a lot of our teachers, especially in our adolescence happens to be our friends and whatever bad habits they learn from their, from their older siblings or cousins, or from maybe their broken homes or whatever. And we learn things from our parents, from TV, from Sesame street, from God forbid the internet, you know, the dark corners of the internet. And, uh, and a lot, a lot of us too learn during our formative years, we learn from pop culture. We learn from, from popular music where music is <clears throat> talking about, um, objectifying women and amassing, uh, you know, money, fortune, and fame and, you know, and, and stepping on your enemies and, you know, all these mixed messages about sexuality and what you're supposed to be do, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to dress, what you're supposed, how you're supposed to have a good time. Of course, if you're not drinking Ciroc or if you're not popping bottles in the club, then who are you? You weak, you're broke, you're this, you're that. And there are a lot of young men that are growing up in these environments thinking like, Oh, I'm nothing if I don't drink Ciroc. I'm if I'm nothing if I don't wear if I don't have the newest Air Jordans on my feet. If I don't have this new outfit, well, then I'm going to be the ridicule of people that have stronger opinions of me. So we grow up with these series of traumas and our responses that become habits of responses mm -hmm. to traumas, and we forget we forgot why we did things in the first place. So now, when people ask me, they say like. Well, all right. I'm sober now. I'm bored now. What now? What am I supposed to do? It's like, okay, well now start asking some bigger questions. You now live, we live in the information age. You can, we can zoom people on our phones on the other side of the planet right now. You can send an instant message to somebody. You can gather any information on the web on any varying topic. You can watch, you can learn how to fix your transmission, your carburetor. You can learn how to build a house. You can learn how to take care of a pet mouse. You can learn how to rhyme words with house and mouse. You can do whatever you want to do to have a more interesting and more fulfilling and more well-rounded life. So sometimes people are like, well, what am I supposed to do? What I hear in that is that they were so hammered over the head by the subjective nature of popular culture that yeah. they don't even know who they are yet. So I implore you to find out who you are, figure out what you actually like. You know what? Take a break from the club. Okay. 
take a break from the bar, take a break from all the things that we're used to. They're going to be there. And guess what? So are the same old familiar places. Your favorite bartender is going to be there. And if they're not there, they're just going to be at another bar across town. Don't worry about that. The music mm-hmm. is still going to be shitty. It's still going to be dimly lit. It's still going to smell like vomit <laughs> in the corner the next time you come back. But right now, why don't you learn? Why don't you, why don't you learn a couple? Why don't you learn how to plant a couple seeds in the ground? Why don't you learn how to plant a couple new seeds in your life? You know, and I'm not trying to preach. I know it sounds, I'm preaching a little bit, but learn a couple of new, a a couple of new skills. Learn about what your preferences are. Learn about maybe like where you want to be. Are you, are you just where you are? Because that's where your, where your family birthed you and you just never bothered to go anywhere else. Did you, is, is any city that's on your radar mentally, just because it was mentioned in, in a song or in a movie that you idealize with, you know, or that you identify with, you know, what, what is it about you? What do you actually like? There are mm-hmm. other ways to be, and there's so many different ways that you can entertain yourself and educate yourself to be a more ra- well-rounded person. So you stop attracting some of these bottom feeders and you stop getting full on low hanging fruit. It's so true. Like because when everybody gives up the drink and it's like all these hours that you have and you think, well, what am I going to do with my time? I'm bored. What am I going to do? And I said to a lot of people, and we've discussed this, go back and think about what you used to enjoy. Go back to think what you used to do as a kid. It could be anything. The girls the other day were talking about sitting down with the kids and playing, you know, jigsaw puzzles, mm-hmm. just sitting down and doing something, anything. Get back into the music. Get back into a sport. You know, go for walks. If you feel like a drink, drinking, take your dog out 20 times a day. There is so much you can embrace and do because we spent so much time drinking to just not think about time, didn't want to do anything. You know, let's get to the bar. Let's go out and just meet some people that we'll never talk to again. All these things. But life is really enjoyable when you embrace it. So we challenged each other to pick up something that we hadn't done. I needed four scarves in four months and then I got arthritis in my hands. But, you know, just do something with those hands. Just do something with yourself. Listen to more music. I mean, music's always been a big part of my life. I don't know about you. And, you know, we share songs in our groups. We just do, I don't know, there's just so much to enjoy these days. It really is. There really is. Now, do you ever, I've got to ask you this question before, um, you know, we wind things up. Do you ever hear the addict voice now at, at 10 months or are you just so busy that you, you're good? Because I oh, really the, think keeping busy helps. The addict voice? Like Jay, you know, you can have one, you know, Jay. You yeah. Just have, just have one, you know, like it'll be all right. No, I, um, <clears throat> hopefully this story kind of sums it up. When my relationship with my, uh, my ex-fiance, which ended officially, it started its ending process the day after I found out that my dad was terminal with cancer. She decided, um, we, I don't think this relationship's going any further. And I was like the lowest of the lows, you know? And, um, so at that point I was going through a pretty hard time, but leading up to that point, I remember saying to her that knowing myself enough, knowing what my limitations were at the moment, And of course, we are going to increase our capacity for everything once we start to get sober. It's just, it's bound to happen. I used to always Mm -hmm. say that during my drunken days, I was really only giving myself about 12 healthy hours to be productive. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because there was was the time travel with the drinking. And of course, I was no good to anybody when I was drinking other than to my bar friends and maybe telling a joke or, you know, whatever, pulling out a magic trick or whatever it was. And then I would spend, you know, eight or nine 
recovery hours in bed sleeping or 10 hours sleeping or 11 hours sleeping, which is crazy to me now because now I'm getting like six or seven hours of sleep and I'm like, I'm good. And um, so, and then waking up and then having some emergency, you know, hangover breakfast to hopefully get rid of this hangover. And of course it didn't work. And I got to go back to bed and then trying to start my day from there. So like, I remember telling her that I was spreading myself thin in ways that I wasn't entirely sure how to do because but you never really know because again just like alcohol there's no manual to life there's no manual to being a parent or a step parent or even to being in a relationship you can watch all the youtube videos you want but that's you know yeah. person giving you their opinion just like my channel just like your channel etc but i told her that i'm afraid because i'm afraid of taking my my ambitions seriously more seriously because knowing my limitations I was, and I believed, and I was of the opinion of, I wasn't going to have the capacity to continue being a stepfather. And I wasn't going to have the capacity to continue being in a relationship that once I chose what I truly loved, what I was truly passionate about. And I know this sounds highly insulting, but talking about uh, with regard to my ambitions and my art and my creativity and being true to myself and getting out whatever message, message it was and putting myself 100% into what I was being called to do which became sobriety. I didn't even know it was going to be sobriety. I thought it was just, you know, I, I thought I was going to take, I didn't know if it was going to be, I don't know. For people that are listening, I'm sitting in front of a studio setup. I'm front, sitting in front of two um, M Audio BX8 studio monitors. I've got a 12 inch, uh, thousand watt JBL uh, subwoofer on the floor. I've got a DJ mixer behind me. Um, that was part of my life at that time. I was throwing parties I'm actively throwing parties, hosting parties at different venues around town. I'm playing even the last show I did was at the Cleveland Museum of Art for thousands of people in their atrium. But I remember telling her, and I didn't know what it was that I was going to do, but I just knew that I know how I am. I know that just how I binged on alcohol, that I also have the habit of binging the other way on health to the point of, you know, getting myself uh, maybe a little too fit and a little bit too sore and maybe taking a little bit too many vitamins. You know, I like to overwhelm my, and Im immerse myself in whatever it is. And I, and I said to her, I don't think that I can do both. I don't think that I can do this relationship and be passionate and give all that I can to my craft and to my career. And that was something that I worried about. So when, it, when the quiet going back to your question is, do I hear the addict voice? I know that it's there. I know that the devil mm -hmm. wants to dance, mm -hmm. right? I know that mm -hmm. I have my monkey brain and I know I've got an angel and a devil sitting on my shoulder and account the council of my ancestors. They're all saying, oh, no, don't do that. You know, and, uh, you know, and maybe God watching over or whoever else watching over. And maybe nobody's watching. I hope that they're all I hope that heaven is so awesome. that They don't have any time to watch what I'm doing down here on Earth. And I especially want to make sure I hope that they're not watching all the time. <laughs> but <laughs> that being said, you know, the, the addict, the addict uh, voice, I'd say no, because the whole point is now I am fully immersed in what what I believe my calling is. I feel like it's bigger. It's I, I've already gone past and beyond it just being for me. I'm not just trying to stand on my own two feet anymore. I'm not just trying to put one foot in front of the other, in front of the other. I'm not running anymore. I'm past doing hurdles. I'm already up in the air and already up in orbit. And I'm trying to make sure that I'm paving the way for future people to be able to walk safely down this path before they decide which direction that they want to go to. And I also want to remind your viewers or your listeners and people that, you know, from my community, from whoever, whoever is thinking about sobriety, <clears throat> know that 
it may seem and feel to be a little bit lonelier as you're creating this path, but just, I want you to picture this. I'm, I'm big into visual, visuals. Imagine yourself a pioneer. And in one hand, you're holding an ax over your shoulder. And in front of you, you're just looking at a forest. You have to pave your own way. And maybe somebody, you can either exercise and go through the motions of walking down somebody else's path and get used to walking down that path and get familiar with the possibilities of what a path is gonna look like, how thick the concrete should be, what color the concrete should be. Should we be going towards water? Should we be going uphill? Should we be go going downhill? But that's all part of practicing the sobriety journey, right? And then as we're sitting there becoming pioneers of our own destiny, of our own fate, of our own future, being coming closer to the best version of ourselves that we hope to be, which is our future self. We have to remember things like the past is just a series of memories and the future is whatever you imagine it to be within reason, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, it's interesting, as I said, because we're learning and we go through it, you know, day to day. And I, I'm like you, I want, I, I, do not hear the voice in my, it has become my norm, but I never forget that it's ready to pounce. As soon as if I'm stressed or I'm feeling a bit vulnerable, and we've done a really, there's a really good podcast too that we did on vulnerability, particularly from a man's perspective, do you know, because like you said, you're meant to be tough, you're meant to be this, you're meant to be that, don't be a wuss. And it's not the case at all. It has nothing to do with being a man if you become sober and, or if you're vulnerable, um, you know, but Having said that, as I said, I don't forget. I know it is there. Uh, but the good news is we have done the work. That's why I believe the voice is less. You can't just white knuckle this. You can't just, you know, yeah, rely on willpower and, hey, everything's going to be great. That's what I thought. I thought coming into this, oh, yes, I'm going to be, you know, six months' time, I'll be done and dusted and I'm good. Wow, you know, that was the one mistake that I made. So for all the listeners, Jay's right. You've got to have the patience and you've got to do the work um, and get yourselves connected. I really think these three things are really, really key. So before we go, because I'm just going to wrap it up, I know you're a busy, busy man. As I said to the, the listeners, um, you know, his website is gettingsober dot, dot, dot again. He's also got the YouTube channel. Please, you know, just just tune in. This guy is as funny as hell. In fact, I'm sorry if I laughed in the background the whole way through it, but I actually at times was just really trying not to let it out. Um, do you want to add anything else before we go, Jay? Um, I do want to mention this, so that uh, our website is not officially up yet. So the, the future domain name, if anybody wants to bookmark it, will be getting sober again, all one word, getting sober again.com. But so to check us out, we only exist on YouTube. I don't want to complicate things. So it's uh, so if you go to youtube.com forward slash getting sober again, all one word. So that's the address, or you can just type in getting sober again in YouTube in your browser and you'll find us there. Um, so that's how you can officially find us. And we have it all uh, organized on the YouTube page. The first thing that you'll see if you're not subscribed is one of our favorite episodes. It's episode number 90, which is the 25 benefits of quitting alcohol for 90 days. So most people yeah. are familiar with my channel we're lured to our channel channel um, through our most popular episode to date, which was episode number 31, the 20 benefits of quitting alcohol for 30 days, which is a very real 
timeline for people to try to get sober and be sober and stay sober. It's a very real goal and accomplishable goal for a lot of people. Now, of course, we all remember what it was like to just try to get sober for the first day for the first time. We've all, we all got sober for one day a bunch of times. We all got sober for two days, a few times, you know, in three days, maybe not so much, four days, I don't know. But, um, you know, we, maybe we had a couple of hand, maybe we've had one or two instances of being sober for a week. And maybe, I don't know, unless, it, you know, unless it, the doctor said you can't drink or you had surgery or in the hospital or something, maybe you didn't drink for a month, but like purposefully choosing, going through all of life's obstacles and uh, ups and downs and the traumas, the funerals, the makeups, the breakups and everything in between um, 30 days. If you're thinking to yourself like, oh, no, I have to be sober for 30 days. That's, of course, not going back to the base of one day at a time. So watch, uh, please watch episode, get familiar with the channel and the benefits. In my opinion, these are things that happen to me. I'm not saying they're going to happen to uh, for everybody. Um, but the first thing I talked about on episode number 30, I'm sorry, episode number 31, the 20 benefits of quitting alcohol for 30 days. The first benefit I talked about was my blood pressure went down. So <laughs> I'm a pretty so healthy person. Me too. <laughs> Good. Yeah, congratulations. And, and I want to say congratulations to everybody once you get there. But that's a common thing that people also tell me. They're like, holy smokes, my, my heart, my blood pressure went down too. So coincidentally, I had to go to the hospital or not the, to the doctor the next day after the, the night before, I think I probably drank like four white claws, four shots of tequila and a buddy of mine, older gentleman of mine. Uh, like to bring in moonshine because you know some of the older guys they're just going to bring in their own drinks they don't care anymore and um so he'd bring his own moonshine so he brought me the rest of his moonshine which is about four shots of high powered high octane moonshine so that's what i had the night before and some of you might say like ah pish posh i drink a bottle a night that's nothing it's not a pissing contest not something to be proud of either but so the next morning i had to go to the doctor and my blood pressure was let me preface my blood pressure has never been over 120, maybe it's never been over 130 over 80. It's never been over that. It's always been well below that. It's always been like on, it's always usually about one, 120 or 116 mm. over like 70. That's usually where my heart, my, my blood pressure is. When I went to the, the, to the doctor that morning, this is after a long binge of drinking. Also, the gentleman that gave me the moonshine gave me one of those church pamphlets and it was called happy hour. <laughs> And it was a story about a man who went to happy hour every day after work and, um, and neglected his wife and kids. And it was the, you know, the, the, the dancing of the devil versus the angels and who's going to win this soul. And eventually the, and the, you know, it was a bad ending. It was a sad ending. The devil actually won. They got the soul of a jo Jim Smith or whatever his name was. And so I thought like, well, if that's not a sign enough. I, I might as well quit. So I went to the doctor the next day. My blood pressure was like 160 over 90, 160 over mm -hmm. 90. And again, I'm 39. I eat organic veggies. I exercise before this podcast, which is probably, you know, part of why I'm so amped is I rode my bike five miles. That's what I did between you calling me earlier and then the podcast. <laughs> and I, I, I went to the shower with a mouthful of oatmeal, trying to, <laughs> trying to shower and trying to chew oatmeal at the same time. And I was like, I'm going to be a few minutes late. Um, but like, I like to prime myself and get myself in the zone to be live, to, to, to be, to do a podcast, to make sure that I'm giving you the energy that I believe that you should also have to be, to be able to prime myself mentally for where I want to be and how I want to be. But, um, you know, so I, the first benefit I talked about was my blood pressure went down and there's again, then there's 19 more benefits. So when you go to my main page, youtube.com forward slash getting sober again, the first thing you'll see if you're a non-subscriber is the 
episode number 90, which is the 25 benefits of quitting alcohol for 90 days. And in that episode, I put up a side-by-side comparison, which is benefit number 25. I put up the side-by-side comparison of what I looked like before I started my journey. My hair was thinner. My face was puffier. My eyes were puffy. My eyes were glassy. My cheeks were less chiseled. I looked like I was like 20 or 30 pounds heavier, which I may have been. Um, And I put up the side-by-side comparison in that video amongst all of the other benefits. So that'll be the first thing that you see. Once you go ahead and click the subscribe button, you'll then start to see our newest episode. And then the first row will be our newest episodes in order uh, of newest to oldest. The next row will be our live streams from the newest to oldest. And then it'll be the next section, I think, is like questions on sobriety or how to get sober. So there's like five different sections. We've categorized our page so you can find the topic that you're looking for. But a lot of people end up making comments like maybe you've made before is just like that they end up binging then on our episodes because they are binge worthy episodes. And a lot of people agree with the topics and you know my philosophies. And I try to keep people entertained. I put like funny little animated gifts in the corner of the screen. You know, maybe it's some it's Santa falling down the stairs when I'm talking about, you know, not putting our best foot forward. Or, you know, like <laughs> I put like, you know, maybe a, a, a silly cat, you know, running around. You know, I'll put something that may be relevant, maybe the Simpsons or whatever, or clips from the, the show The Office or whatever it is. And you know, some episodes are more humorous than others. Some are just like are are, are is a lot more medical information. So uh, you know, definitely come out and check out the episodes. Uh, come out, check out the community. Come to our live streams. And if it's your cup of tea, cool. If you stay for one video, awesome. If you stay for all 160 of them, you know, God bless you. I haven't even done that yet. I, <laughs> I've only watched them all just because you know, because I have to watch them all. But um, I'm excited. I'm excited for your journey. I'm excited to hear from all of you, whoever's out there that wants to take the time out of your life and reach out to me and to the community. And we have a very positive community there. And I look forward to being in more outlets and more avenues in the future. Um, and maybe other sober podcasts, uh, maybe on Reddit, Twitter, wherever else. But like right now, I'm just focusing on putting out the best product I can in this one place, which is YouTube. And I promote heavily positivity in the comment section. It doesn't mean to be fake, but you have an opportunity now, if you weren't a positive person, to practice positivity. Uh, yet another thing that you have to practice. So we have a lot of helpful people that are that are that have taken the call to action because I tell everybody, please leave a comment in the comment section down below for either me or one of the many members of our community in the comment section down below. And also to go back to the old videos because you're going to see people that may have said, oh, I'm starting my sobriety journey today, especially on episode mm. 31. And then mm. there are no more comments from that person. So people have been heeding to the call of action and checking on Jim's first day. Hey, Jim, how's it going? And and to our surprise, every now and then a Jim or a Stacy or a Bob or Susan responds. And it's like, oh, it turns out that I've, I've actually been sober for the last six months. Yeah, this channel really helped me out. And I used it to get sober. And then since and then I've just stayed busy and I've just been so busy and I, I started a new business. My home, my home life's better, this, that and the other things. So going back to what you're talking about, the uh, the addict voice. There's no room for the addict voice anymore in my head. I think of the addict voice as the pouty child in the backseat that wants to know if we're there yet. 
because they just want their toy. They just, give me my phone. Give me my toy. Can we get McDonald's? And it's like, we, we had that time already. And that's not what time it is. I'm yeah. the adult. I'm in charge right now. And we're on a mission. We're on a journey. And where we're going, we don't have time for your whining. We don't have time for your pouting. And I know you're perfectly capable of throwing a tantrum and having a meltdown in the backseat of that car or wherever we happen to be going. But you are not in charge of me. You are not in charge of my life. And you are not in charge of this journey. I love it. We own it. We own it all now. Good, bad or indifferent. We own it. And I would love if you have the time, you know, down the track, because I was one of those original listeners on my journey. And here I am with you still eight months later. I can remember reaching out two months ago and sending you an email and saying, I really think you're onto something. And I don't think I've done that with anybody else. So that was a good testimonial for you. Not that I know everything, but you know, if it resonates with me, it's going to resonate with a lot of other people out there. Just as, you know, we get good feedback from Sobertown. I mean, you know, we're providing information that has taken us time to, you know, go through, find out for ourselves, and we're giving it to you guys free. So take note and design your own, you know, sober journey. It is a custom design thing. What works for one doesn't work for the other. But just cherry pick what you love, watch the episodes. They are really informative. He's really funny. I've had a great time today. I hope you have too. And I really hope you come back with us. But again, guys, if you missed it before and you've just tuned in, maybe at the end, it is getting sober dot, dot, dot again on YouTube. Jay, I can't thank you enough. Yeah, thank you for having me. I was, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You're, this is offic- officially the first uh, podcast that I've been on. I don't, I don't have other people on my channel. Oh, a first <laughs> and, for both uh, of us. Yay. Yeah, so it's a, it's a first and I, and I look forward to it. You know, if you have me again, I will insist because I'm, I'm pleasantly pushy and I will insist that you have me back on your channel dot, dot, dot again. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, let's say goodbye to the folks. Thanks for listening. Stay sober. Pour the poison down the drink. And I will be talking to you all again, hopefully in the near distant future. God bless you all and goodbye for now. Bye.